recession and we're getting a confirmation, Cheryl, over to you. We can, we can finally confirm a recession in this country. Second quarter GDP just crossing right now. And again, a loss of 0.6%, negative 0.6% for the second quarter. This is the third, the final estimate for second quarter GDP. Remember, for the first quarter, the final read on first quarter GDP was negative 1.6. So again, uh, there you go. Uh, Dow futures down 257. We also got claims just crossing. We actually came in better than expected on initial claims. I'm still trying to make sense of these numbers. Uh, we came in at 193,000. Street was looking for 215 and continuing 1.347 million, a little bit better than expected. The street was looking for 1.388 million. But again, that is the final, final read, second quarter GDP, two quarters, negative, negative. We basically had inflation under control for 40 years, despite the fact that the price of oil fluctuated, despite the fact that there were all kinds of uh, supply shocks. Um, we lost the thread uh, along with many other countries um, about a year and a half ago with massively expansionary policies relative to the size of the GDP gap. The fiscal stimulus was five times as large as it had been during the financial crisis. We're not a border town. We don't have uh, infrastructure uh, to handle uh, this this type of in a level of immigration to our city. But we will will create a new normal here in our infrastructure and have a, a humane welcome for people and an efficient um, you know service provision. But we we don't have the ability. We're not Texas. We have a shortage of workers in our country, and you see even in Florida. Some of the farmers and the growers say, why are you shipping these uh, immigrants uh, up north? We need them to pick the crops down here. So our borders were secure, gas was cheap, energy was cheap. You leave office, the consumer price index, the inflation measure is what, 1.4%. Now we're, what, seven months in a row at 8.4%. Gonna be much higher as soon as the election's over. Uh, they're artificially, I filled up the strategic reserves when oil was cheap. I bought 75 billion barrels at a very, very cheap price. Filled it all up right to the top. First time it happened in 50 years where it was filled to the top. And they've taken that and they're giving it to people. It's supposed to be meant for war and for the military. Right. They're giving the people to keep the oil prices down before an election. That's where it's being used. When the election is over, uh, gasoline will go through the roof. All right, and so with your heating bills, so with your electric bills. Mr. President, you are the oldest president ever. Pretty good shape, huh? Which leads to my next question. You are more aware of this than anyone. Some people ask whether you are fit for the job. And when you hear that, I wonder what you think. Watch me. I mean, honest to God, that's all I think. Watch me. If you think I don't have the energy level of mental acuity, then, then you know, that's one thing. It's another thing of just watch and, and, you know, keep my schedule. And so many of you know so much about this as well, and you're committed. And I want to thank all of you here, for, including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. He was at an event, you all saw, you all watched, which is why you're asking the question, right, where he was calling out 
again, uh, congressional leaders, uh, a bipartisan uh, leadership that we have seen on this particular issue. And uh, again, he's going to see her family in just two days. And uh, she was on top of mind. I mean, I don't. That is, I mean, that is uh, that is not an unusual uh, unusual scenario there. I mean, I have gentlemen on top of mind just about every day, but I'm not looking around for them. When you sign a bill for John Lennon, Lennon has president, then we can have this conversation. Okay, go ahead. Um, first, and the payoff. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Unregulated Podcast. Here we are, episode number 102 on a Saturday, Saturday, October 1st. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm uh, the representative of Jackie Walorski's estate, Mike McKenna. <laughs> not a laughing matter per se. It's not a laughing matter at all. But um, yeah. So um, we, uh, I'll go through the clips. Uh, clearly, uh, Larry Summers does have has a few issues with this administration. He, uh, we might hear from him later in the episode as well. Um, the DC mayor apparently is not Texas. And Nancy says we need those, Speaker Pelosi says we need them down South to pick the crops. You know, I, I, I thought, I, I thought she was gonna actually say Mexicans is what I thought she was gonna say. It, it, it's a, it's, it's just, it, one of the, one of the Hispanics that's running in, as a Republican um, in the Rio Grande Valley, right? She said, look, th this kind of exposes what, what these, what the Democrats actually think of us. We're the help. Yeah, right? Absolutely. We're the help and, and we're never going to be anything other than the help. And I thought that is a perfect summation of that because I was trying to think what, what really bothers me about that. And that's what really bothers me is that she was going to say Mexicans and she's like, get down here and pick the crops. And, and I was just like, yikes. Yes, of course. But Republicans are the racists and the fascists and everything else that, uh, you know, they throw at the Democrats throw at them. So, uh, of course, um, President Trump riffing on gas prices, and you know he probably embellished a little about filling the SPR to the tippy top, but uh, the sentiment was pretty clear. And it is obvious to many of us who study this fairly uh, in depth for somewhat of a living, although I'm not sure what we call this, Mike. Um, they are literally blowing the lid on the SPR to keep the prices down, and. He's he's dead right. I mean, when they stop, you know, they they turn off the spigot, then you know prices are going to shoot up a little bit. Uh, it's not the end all determining factor, but it is a little bit ridiculous. The Dems came out the other day and said, "Oh, we want to use the uh, we want to we want to call it an economic petroleum reserve and use prices to buy and sell to make money for the government to put it towards renewables." Well, you know, I've been 
you know, as a free market guy, I've sort of resisted this whole sell or privatize the petroleum reserve. But if the Dems are going to go down this road, then yeah, I'm I'm all for getting getting it out of the government's hands because that is not what it was ever intended to to be for. Um, and it's utterly ridiculous uh, as a concept. So yeah. let me let me just disagree with one part about that. Sure. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly what this thing was set up to be. You know, there, there's, there's, I mean, I'm sure that some people who voted for it way back in 1931 or whenever they created it, just kidding, right? It was 1977, right? Um, I, I'm sure that some of the people who voted for it thought, hey, this is going to be a valuable um, thing to have in the case of another Arab oil embargo. But most people thought this is going to be an incredibly useful political thing. Yeah. You know, it, it, it to assume otherwise is to assume that you have got a bunch of politicians who think primarily of the nation's well-being first and their own well-being second. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just sad. You know, you know what? Sadly, after 30 years in this town, um, I, I'm having trouble pushing back on that. I there, there, there are guys like that. Um, there are great men who sit in the United States Congress um, and in governor's offices throughout this country who are like that, but they're the minority. They're not the, they're not most of them. So, so what was our motto again? What was our, our, our motto, our new motto? Uh, up, upbeat, upbeat, rational, but understandably cynical. Boom. Nailed or maybe it. it was, maybe it was and understandably cynical. <laughs> All right, Aaron Judge is stuck at 61. God bless him. He's under a lot of pressure to sell tickets. You and I were chatting a little bit before the podcast. Uh, maybe Boone should sit him for a day and let him just relax. Um, he's got to get over the hump, number 62. But, hey, uh, he has, as far as I'm concerned, he has tied the record. Uh, yeah. And that's a pretty cool deal, although it is a little distracting. So let's... Let's get 62, maybe 3, 4, 64. I'm happy with that. And then we can focus on the playoffs. Well, you know, he's only he's only got three more days left, right? I yeah. mean, he's, it, it's, the, it's the bottom of the seventh inning in, in Baltimore, in uh, New York against Baltimore today. And he's been walked, I think, at least twice, maybe three times. So he's not going to hit one today. So he's got four games left, three days. I could see where you don't want to sit him, um, you know, where he's going to get the rest of three days in the playoffs right right at the front of the playoffs so it's not a rest question but if i was boone i would think seriously about sitting him just because his head is clearly not in the right place yeah well that's what i was thinking is mental rest right yeah but yeah, they gotta yeah. sell tickets so and hmm. poor, poor roger maris jr he just keeps going to game after game, yeah, after game. i don't get i don't i don't quite get what that's all about i mean I, maybe i'm a lousy market but i'm just like what the hell is that all about What's the deal with the with the um, White House press pool now uh, going after um, Joe Biden for his mental acuity? I wonder. Yeah, hmm. yeah, that, that understand that, in the understandably cynical portion of our uh, of our description of the unregulated podcast. One would tell me that this is prep for the midterm shellacking slash time to move on, Joe kind of deal. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. Okay, I tell you what, let, 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 let's pretend let's pretend that we're good citizens first before we get to cynical parts. Um, 
the I was actually on the hill um, the day after the Jackie Walorski thing happened, um, and and every member, um, every member that I spoke to, um, you know, asked me whether hey had you had I seen this thing right, and I said yeah, and you know no one was laughing, no one was chuckling, no one was like hey you know that guy's a that guy's a hopeless idiot, you know that guy's bumbling around. There was for the first time some genuine alarm that we are we have a captain who who doesn't have any conception of what ship he's what ship he's driving and where he's going and even if he's around right even his own awareness his own self-awareness i wonder if there aren't people in the press corps now who are starting to think maybe we are starting to edge into the 25th amendment territory here um you know i mean Vice President Harris is would be worse in a bunch of different dimensions, but at least she's not um, at least she's not approaching dementia, right? And and it's 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 serious. I, I, I'm gonna just say I'm just gonna say this, and I'm sure I'm gonna maybe ask Alex to edit it after, maybe not. Her acuity not approaching dementia is. I don't know. I'm not sure if you're trading up there, my friend. I, I, I want to say I want to say this too, right? You know, um, you know, he gave that, yeah. that that live interview, right? That he gave, and he said, "Hey, uh, uh, COVID's over, right? You know, and uh, and hey, I'd go to war over Taiwan, right?" And the White House walked it back, right? We use that phrase, "walked it back," right? They corrected him, and I'm it's the first time I really thought, you know what? This guy just said something, two things. He's the president. He makes the policy. If he's not making the policy, they should let us know who's making the policy. That's right. And and also they made the, the day after the pandemic is over, they have made it absolutely clear that it is not. And none of the policies are changing as a result. It, it Yeah, exactly. Like who is in charge? Because yeah. he says it and it ain't true. Then who say, who decides? Right. Who can counterman this guy? You know, I, I mean, I know, I know <laughs> better than better than most people. I know that the Trump administration was a chaotic mess, right? But the one red line that was always there was, boss said something. That that was it. It was law, right? We, you know, you're just trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do about that, right? You know, how are we going to how are we going to implement it? You know, nobody. Nobody that I ever heard, nobody that I ever knew said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? The boss said this, but the hell with that. We're not paying attention to that. It, it, you want to talk about something that's fundamentally anti-democratic? Having an elected president who his own staff refuses to take orders from. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just, I'm concerned about this guy and this crew in so many different dimensions. One last thought real quick. When you listen to that, when you listen to that clip, what strikes me is I get the feeling that was written down. Somebody wrote that down that, Hey, you know, all these bipartisan, you know, members and he runs down a list, right? It's, I think somebody wrote Congresswoman um, Walorski down, right? They wrote that name down because it looked like, it sounded like he's just reading off a list, comes up to her, looks up like, Hey, is she here? Which maybe means that, 
I kind of wonder if he didn't get sandbagged by one of his own guys on this. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know either. But I, next time, might have been like, and of course, he'd like to honor, you know, her, and then he just didn't just you know roll past. Anyway, we can we can go on and on and on. We have so much show to cover because we didn't record last week. So well, we chose wanna, not. let's start with some announcements, shall we? We chose not to, Tom. We chose not to. I know, I know, I know, I know. We did. We didn't record. Uh, and congratulations to our producer for his for getting married. Uh, I wish you a many many happy years to come with your new beloved. Um, okay, announcements. I had uh, an interesting conversation with a good friend and former colleague Genevieve, who turns out, unbeknownst to me, is a regular listener. So. It was great to catch up with her last week and uh, glad to hear we have a loyal fan from New York, New York City of all places. And then I found out too that our good friend John has listened to every episode of the Unregulated Podcast. God bless him or God help him. I'm not sure which. And of course, John was our first reviewer. So good to catch up with you and hang out with you, John. And uh, thanks for being a being a loyal fan. What do you got? Um, I got uh, I got nothing. I got a I got a guy in. I got one of my Houston crew, Frank. Right. Um, turns out he 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 um, he missed us. He missed us a couple of weeks ago. He missed us last week. So, and I and and I feel bad about that. I really don't. You know, everybody else. I don't care. But I feel bad. <laughs> Let me amend that. I feel bad that Frank and in Houston and Becky in uh, in DC, right? I feel bad that Becky missed us too. That's it, though. Everybody else, come on, man. We, yeah, we, we need a break every now and then. Like, yeah. We take a week off too, man. <laughs> All right. Well, th this day in history, real quick. I got one regular one and a couple of sports ones. Are you ready? October first, right? Well, just yeah. Today is October first. All right, go ahead. 1890, 1890, October 1st. Uh, Queen Victoria died. No, sir. Um, an act of Congress established Yosemite National Park. An effort to uh, create Yosemite as a national park was led by none, none other than a Scottish-born individual who founded the Sierra Club, John Muir. Um, and uh, they've been trampling on the rights of private property owners ever since. So thanks, John. Say, with, a, with, a healthy assist from the, with the healthiest assist from the recreational vehicle manufacturers of America. Yeah, I'm, I'm half joking, but uh, it is kind of funny. So I'm sure, I'm sure all of these guys, had they had they seen what what they started they they would they would have regretted it i sure hope so because what they are now is nothing but a big corporation um the same. 1903 the rest are sports so i'm going to help you out 1903, 1903 the 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 new york highlanders changed their name to the new york yankees no very close however you are wrong in 1903 the pittsburgh pirates beat the boston americans Seven to three in the first professional World Series game. Ah, ah, I should have guessed that. Shoot. Okay. Pirates uh on the bump for the Pirates. I'm sorry. Um, in the Pirates lineup was shortstop Honest Wagner. 
And on the bump for the Boston Americans was none other than Cy Young. Both sure. of those players uh, was the one and only time that they, they faced off against each other. Um, and this was, of course, a result of the National League and the American League, who used to operate as separate leagues, decided to come together and create this world, this cool little World Series that we have now. So, and the Americans went on to be the Red Sox at 19, 1908. So good for you for losing the first World Series game. Although sure. they didn't win the best of nine series, damn it! Set the set the pattern, and uh, and Cy Young was on a was on a, a strict pitch count, so only finished six innings of the first game. Right? <laughs> I hardly doubt that, my friend. <laughs> hardly doubt that. 1961. 1961. First, 1961. 61 years ago today at 2:43 in the afternoon. Roger Maris hit the hit home run number 61. You are correct, sir. You are correct. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. And? And the Cuban Missile Crisis started. 1977. This is so that you can... Uh, October 1st, 1977? Yeah. Chris Shambles hits a home run to put the Yankees in the World Series. It, it might have been the case. That is not the one I pulled out, though. The soccer player Pele played his final game in the an New York exhibition, in, as an exhibition game in Giant Stadium, he played the first half as a Cosmos, and the second half as the Santos of Brazil team. The two teams he played on in his professional career. So yeah. Pele played his last game in front of an enthusiastic crowd at Giant Stadium, and you still yeah, hate yeah. soccer. <laughs> I don't hate soccer. I just find it pointless. I have to say this much, though. When, <laughs> Pele came to New York, when he came to New York to play for the Cosmos, and he played out at uh, at a Randall Stadium, yeah, um, on the on the island, he um, on Roosevelt Island, it was electric. I, you know, New Yorkers are hard to impress, but Pele impressed everybody in New York. It was silly. I remember. Was, I remember. For us, he, for us he, children of the '70s, he was kind of a sick he was kind of sick out there he did some pretty cool stuff so. it was one of the he was one of the few really truly international guys anyway um i got one other one uh on today october 1st in night well i can't i don't want to give you the date um october 1st um my baby sister was born one of my baby sisters helen so a happy birthday to helen well and also uh, uh a happy birthday to President Jimmy Carter, who is 98 years old today. So um, behave, behave. All right. Um, what do we want to start with first? <laughs> I'm trying to get you to not editorialize about Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter was make it. <laughs> you're not gonna make it. Jimmy, he was a he was he was a good person before he became a president. He was a good governor of Georgia, right? He, he set the stage for a lot of economic development that's happened in Georgia since. He was a good governor. And he's a good former president, sort of, a little, little too shaky on the Middle I East. I 100% disagree with that comment. But Really? You don't like him as, a, as an ex-president? I don't mind the building homes thing, but he's participated in some pretty snarky, uh, you know, uh, dialogue yeah. over the years. And also his, uh, anyway, I, I'll, I'll withhold judgment since it's okay. his 98th birthday. Uh, well, why, why, why? Why do you get a freebie just because you're an old guy? <laughs> I'm an old guy. Nobody gives me any freebies. All right. What do you want to talk about first? 
you want to go into you want to wrap up congress for the year we can get into the permitting sham close business or uh, do we want to wander over to ian or or what what do you want to do i'm happy to do congress real quick all right let's wrap this up uh so joe joe manchin of course uh uh his feigned attempt to to include quote unquote permitting reform in the continuing resolution, which the Republicans lost again because it will run until December 16th, just in time for the existing Congress, not the new Congress to quote clear the barn and spend a whole bunch of money in December, um, tried and failed somewhat miserably to get his uh, Mountain Valley pipeline a better opportunity to uh, get approved. Here's the bottom line. Uh, there were no elements to this bill that would would could could arguably could be considered permitting reform. The more I looked at it, the more I realized that it was a gift, another big wet kiss to big wind. Um, this bill had all kinds of provisions in it that would basically give pop the FERC uh, uh, at almost absolute authority to cite, build, and uh, subsidize transmission lines in this country, which would usurp a whole host of longstanding traditions, including federalism and states' rights, also would have given them vast eminent domain powers to just take lands uh, in, in pursuit of that effort, which is, of course, what the wind guys needed. And then by ignoring NEPA almost entirely, as particularly on the litigation side, it didn't really do much of anything in the way of existing obstacles in within FERC to or within the federal government to uh, approve projects. And then it created a, you know, let the president pick 25 projects that we fast track. Well, yay, we, we all know which projects he was going to pick. So, you know, my opinion about Joe Manchin was was low and getting lower. I, I believe he will go down uh, in history in West Virginia, at least as the least effective senator for the state of West Virginia, or at least the senator from the West from West Virginia, who at the end of his career inflicted more damage on the state than probably any other combined. That's my assessment. Over to you, Mike. Well, that's a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've thought permitting reform was a sham all along. I think I probably said that every chance I've gotten. Um, certainly every time, every time someone's asked me about it. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to be as harsh to to Senator Manchin as you are. I, you know, he he's a. I have no idea why he did this inflation thing. This this the the reconciliation. I have no idea why he gave those guys all that money. You know, I, I'm hoping that all the stuff he put in there on domestic content sticks because if it does, it'll it sort of has the it will have the practical effect of of vitiating all those tax credits um I, i've said this before i'll say it again right there's only three possible answers with respect to this permitting reform thing right either senator manchin um, is an idiot that's choice one and you know or he, senator manchin is naive that's choice two right he doesn't understand how the senate works or choice three is there's something here we don't see right um you know, he, he, for whatever reason, needed to pretend to do permitting reform. Like I said, I don't understand why. 
But at some point, we're going to find out. That's the great thing about America, right? Everything comes out eventually. So we're going to find out. Um, yeah. I want to give a shout out to Ben Zyker, too. Ben uh, had an editorial or a letter to the editor in the um, Wall Street Journal on Friday, which basically um, said, you know, this is not reform, but it, it's a great opportunity to highlight the need for reform. And maybe next year we'll get some reform. So thank you, Ben. Yeah, I'll give it to Ben. I will point out, I wrote the same thing in my monthly note two weeks ago, but you know, I never get any credit for that stuff. So why should I start? <laughs> well, you stopped sending me the note. So how can I give you credit? Well, cause, cause that, it's cause I, I, I still don't understand. I'm happy to pay you. I'll, I'll, I'll sign up to your sub stack. That's cause half the time, like I tell you the, what I'm going to write in the note, like a week before I write it. <laughs> no, 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 don't write that. That's idiotic. Write this other thing. Uh, the point is, is, is there's something else we don't see here. I don't understand what it is. I mean, I know he wants to do Mountain Valley, but the truth of the matter is, and, and by the way, I think Mountain Valley, all those Mountain Valley provisions, they're probably gonna get tucked in there in, um, in uh, the lame duck, right? They're probably gonna get tucked in at the lame yeah. duck. Just, you know, the, the left couldn't eat all of that stuff that he put in and the right was just like, you gotta be kidding me, right? We're not signing off on this. And pretending it's like a legitimate thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you know, I, I, I knew it was lost, right? All right. Um, so before we get into the CR and the wrap up of Congress, breaking news, breaking news. Aaron Judge just struck out in the bottom of the eighth, and the crowd is flowing at Yankee Stadium. So it was. It's it, it's a lot like what's going on for the last two weeks, right? It was two strikeouts, two walks, and he got hit by a pitch. It, it's whatever. All right, close it out for the year. Close out this Congress. Close it out for the best year. and finals. They'll be back in December after the election. Uh, CR passed, yeah. of course, and the setup, of course, is December 18th or whatever the hell date it is. Means that Congress will have uh, two weeks to wrap up spending before Congress before Christmas. And Lord knows we got to do it because if we don't, there might be a government shutdown right before the holidays, and we can't have that. So we got to clear yeah. the barn. Yeah, I think I think the way this happens is, um, is they come back in and they have a relatively um, uncontroversial uh, two weeks where they finish the NDAA, right? And truthfully, we're done with the NDAA, right? We have all the top line numbers. We have about um, we have about uh, two dozen amendments that are going to be tricky, but like the numbers all work, and that's always the hard part. So we're going to do the NDAA, and then we're going to do the CR. And the Republicans are just going to eat an enormous amount of lousy stuff. You know, um, like the House Republicans almost uniformly voted against it, all of them. Um, and the Senate, there were about 22 Senate Republicans who voted for this little get me over. I could easily see those same 22 are going to vote for, for, you know, the remaining 10 months of the fiscal year are going to vote for the same stuff. Chip Roy has made a point of like, listing off in his twitter feed like everything that's in there congressman chip Roy it's worth texas. a read because it's a pretty solid condemnation yeah from texas it's it, it, it's worth reading because it's a pretty solid condemnation of the republican party and their general laissez-faire attitude towards giving the democrats whatever they want can you ship you know, that over to our producer so we can include that tweet in the show notes sure 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 um you know and and um you know it, there is no fight. I don't know how to say this any nicer, but 
but the the little get me over um cr right the two month cr two and a half month cr and the one that's coming our way right um there's no better demonstration of the complete and utter lack of fight among the non-trump wing of the republican party i'm going to call them legacy republicans they just don't want to fight about anything you know they 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 they're completely um they're completely docile you know, I, I don't know what it is they would not vote for. You know, if I obviously, you know, the Democrats are just going to keep keep moving out to the left and say, okay, what are these guys going to actually fuss about? And the answer is probably they're going to fuss about nothing. Um, it, you know, and it's it's clear delineation between the House and the Senate, right? The House guys are like, hey, we're hard nosed. Everybody go to hell. You, know, you got you got almost half of the Senate caucus that is sort of go along, get along, and you know, they all. They all think that like, hey, this is just going to be the way it is from now on, you know, where the Trump the Trump crew is just going to like yap, 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 and then line up and vote for us. I'm like, I don't think that's how it's going to work, guys. There's going to be a lot of members in 24 who are going to be amazed to find out they have primary opponents. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Mitch McConnell is having, sharing cocktails with the chamber and talking about how great they are. So, um but you know what? I, and, and, I, and I asked this the other day to a member, you know, I was like, because he was busy telling me about, you know, the chamber's better than they were, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, let me just stop you right there. How those 23 Democrats they bought in the last cycle, how, how have those guys voted? You know, I, tell you, I can tell you right now, they've all voted wrong on everything. They've all voted with their party. The chamber hasn't been able to peel them off on any damn thing. So, you know, you go to the chamber and say, hey, you guys are doing a good job. Let's not forget, they helped the Democrats get the majority in the House, the same majority that's doing all this damage. Yeah. And of course, they're going to pivot their rhetoric and everything else because they know what the, what the writing on the wall is. Um, okay, so Congress is over. This is the greatest time for America because they're not there, so they can't do any damage. Seriously. Um, Last week, let's get into a little bit of energy stuff, shall we? Last week, they made a, a, a spectacle of themselves hauling in all the bankers uh, for a congressional hearing. And uh, progressive squadron uh, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib had an interesting exchange with Jamie Dimon. Here it is. You have all committed, as you all know, uh, to transition the emissions from lending and investment activity to line with pathways to net zero in 2050. Do you know uh, what the International Energy Energy um, Agency has said is required to meet our goal, global 2050 net zero targets of limiting global temperature rise to 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit or 1.5 degrees Celsius? So no new fossil fuel production starting today. That's, so that's like zero. Well, I would like to ask all of you and go down the list, because again, you all are agreed to doing this. Please answer with a simple yes or no. Does your bank have a policy against funding new oil and gas products? Mr. Diamond. Absolutely not. And that would be the road to hell for America. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine, sir. You know what? Everybody that got relief from student loans has a bank account with your bank should probably take out their account and close their account. The fact that you're not even there to help relieve many of the folks that are in debt, extreme debt, because of student loan debt, and you're out there criticizing it. Ms. Frazier. Well, well, well. 
So a congresswoman called for a run on the banks, but that isn't really the, the overall yeah. point of this. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, the great thing is, is that um, the great thing is, is that Jamie Dimon, can I run on this for 30 seconds? You may. I got one more from him and then we, I want to talk about rhetoric versus reality. So two weeks. So, so at the end of last week, right before this, before this thing happened, right. There was a senior official from JP Morgan who was, who was um, on record in the financial times about how, Hey, we're revisiting this, our participation in the global in the Glasgow financial Alliance for net zero. Cause we're super concerned that we're getting extended out over our skis and we're going to get litigated. Right. And the only person who could have said that would have been Jamie Dimon, right? The only person who sets policy for J.P. Morgan is Jamie Dimon. And the interesting thing is nobody from J.P. Morgan corrected that record at all, right? They just Unlike the there. guy at HSBC who they took who down. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which, by the way, that guy from HS, HBSC, HSBC, HSBC. That guy is was a was a prophet, right? He was about six months ahead of everybody because everybody in the financial world is now like, we probably need to revisit this ESG stuff because we're going to get sued at some point about it, right? Um, so anyway, so like three days later, Jamie Dimon in front of the United States Congress says what he just said, absolutely not. And of course, you know, um, the Minnesota's resident Marxist is like, this is all right, you know. <laughs> perhaps all of your you know everyone who has student loans has like you know however many dollars in their let's let's do a run on jp morgan's bank let's let's advocate for that i thought i thought that was hilarious these people are you know these people are children i mean they're dangerous but they're children anyway point i'm making is is that and i know what you're i know what you're going to say contrary wise but i just want to get this out the bankers are starting to come around, right? They're starting to get nervous about, about the, the delta between reality and promise. Yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, if you're, you can kid around if you're in politics, you can kid around if you're in academia, but in banking and engineering, there is limited room to kid around. And yeah. I think the bankers are starting to figure out, we have got to reel something back in here because we are way out over our damn skis on these promises. I'm going to give another another shout out to Diamond for a response to another question, and then I am going to uh, chip away a little bit here. Hold on. Uh, what do you think our nation's near-term energy strategy should be in terms of traditional energy sources like oil and gas? We aren't getting this one right. The world needs 100 million barrels effectively in oil and gas every day, and we need it for 10 years. To do that, we need proper investing in the oil and gas complex. Investing in the oil and gas complex is good for reducing CO2, because what you've all seen is that because of the high price oil and gas, particularly for the rest of the world, uh, you've seen everyone going back to coal, not just poor nations like India and China, Indonesia and Vietnam, but wealthy nations like Germany, France and the Netherlands. CO2 is getting worse. We need to have proper rules and regulations and government policy to have an effective transition to reduce CO2 keeping energy secure. We've all learned that energy supply globally is not secure, is still precarious. Uh, the United States is self-sufficient. You know, we uh, use and produce 10 million barrels of oil a day. Many countries don't. And their sense of energy insecurity is enormous and it is quite dangerous for them. And you see that in Germany and the war uh, of Russia and Ukraine. Now he's, he's a little bit out ahead of his peers on that. And 
Yep. Hopefully he's paving some, you know, ground for folks to follow along. But you know, I, you know, I watched some of this here, and the rest of them are still doing the whole. We need an effective, smooth, blah blah blah. They did, you know, they went down this road, right? I'm not going to give them like an add a boy, right? They started this, you know, this mess. Larry Fink is still out there running around, running his mouth let off. Let me. So I, I'm just saying, what I'm saying is, I'm glad. I, I'm one thousand percent glad. Yep. He's doing this, but now we he needs to follow up with a significant action that shows the difference between talking about it and doing it. And I'll give you one specific one. I won't take credit for this because uh, it wasn't my idea, but I will end up writing a letter to Mr. Diamond. Um, their bank is still a member of the quote net zero banking Alliance. Sure. Okay. So if, if he wants to put his money where his mouth is, then he ought to, announce today tomorrow next week or whatever soon that he's going to take them out of that and also re, re review and reevaluate other commitments that he has put put his bank in uh which which goes down this net zero you know train wreck that we're headed down yeah so that's just that's just my comment on that i'm well, glad he's talking a good game but he needs to put his money where his mouth is pardon me for the banking pun by you know making some announcements about how they're going to reconfigure how, what uh, what groups and membership organizations they're going to be a part of because otherwise it's just lip service. All right, I I agree with all of that. Can I make just one observation real quick? Yes, you you may, sir. We're looking for we're looking for converts here, not heretics. I understand, but we, we got we, we got to put pressure. We got to put pressure. You want to make guys it, do it. You want to make, and that's why nobody likes the other guys. That's why nobody wants to do anything they want them to do. That's why there's so much pushback on them because everyone. All right, I'll be, I'll be nice about it in my letter. How's that? It, it just let's put it this way: you and I both know people. Everybody knows people in life that when you see them coming, you're like, "Hey, I'm super glad that guy's coming, coming right?" Because you nobody ever like you know this guy. You always leave happier, right? And there's other right. people. Come and you're like, oh my God, I wish that guy would like turn away. All right. So basically you don't want me to be an angry old white guy. How am I going to go? How am I going to reverse? I'm, I'm down that road. I, I want you to look for converts, not heretics. When a guy like Jamie Dimon says something like that, you know, the correct answer is yes, you're right. You're totally right. You know, and, and the next, a next appropriate step would be to bang. Right. So I, I'm, 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 I'm encouraged. And I had, you know, the, the, I, I had thought for a long time that the financial sector was going to be a lost cause forever, but I'm starting to get the sense that there's a bunch of people who are like, I don't know. I'm not sure about this sport fan. Anyway. Fair we'll point. See. Fair point. We'll see. It, the, the interesting thing to me was the financial times story, right? Where they just laid out all what they were worried about and it never got corrected, which is like I said, makes me think it was him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, as promised, here's another one from Larry Summers. Remember, Larry Summers was Obama's, was he treasury? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Obama's treasury secretary, Lawrence Summers. Here it is. It's kind of insane that we have trucks and trains carrying oil all over this country. 
rather than constructing pipelines, which would permit accessing more resources, cheaper, safer transmission. Enough said. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, guys like Larry, they're, they're national treasures. I know that sounds ridiculous, but guys who are just like old enough and rich enough and credentialed enough that they just don't care what people think and just lay it out there. Yeah. They're just national treasures. I mean, this is the same guy who's like, hey, everything you're, if you remember, this is a guy who a year and a half ago was like, hey, everything you morons are doing is inflationary. And then, yep. and the, you know, the Obama guys, the, the Biden guys are like, no, 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 absolutely not, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, it is. And yeah, he's sounding a little bit like Uncle Milty these days. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it, like I said, it, you got to have guys like that, rich enough, old enough, credentialed enough, who could just look at their own team and say, you guys are wrong. Sorry. All right. Now here's the Yang. Here's the Yang. Gave you the Ying. Now here's the Yang. We didn't have any blackouts in California. Ron DeSantis, you were wrong again. You made it up. A lot of people made it up. Folks on Fox, you made it up. I know you wished it happened. Trust me, many of them did because they want to kill our green energy transition. They want to double down on stupid and continue to drill and actually do more damage and get us more deep in the mess that we have created, that we created, that we're trying to get out of. Lot to unpack there. Um. Yeah. I mean, not 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 including his fine mop, not including that fine head of hair on his head. This guy is playing this game right now. I've seen this uh, in a bunch of places. This is Governor Gavin Newsom from California is going on the offensive with with the California story. It, it's it's mind boggling to me. It's mind-boggling to me uh, as a political tool. Like he's basically challenging the 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 notion that like what they're doing uh, in California is nothing short of like tragic for the citizens, the regular folks in the state of California. Now, power didn't go out this summer. Do, do you? Can you recap for our listeners? You know, in a just a couple of examples of what they needed to do in order to prevent that from happening? Yeah, they basically did um, three things, right? One was they extended the life of Diablo Canyon, the nuclear power plant up in the north there, um, right? That supposed to, that's supposed to come offline on 2025, not later in 2025, but the owner had been talking about pulling it off earlier than that. That was one. The other thing is he put in $10 billion into his budget for an emergency generation reserve, which was all natural gas plants, right? Basically, he bought natural gas plants, had them built, um, um, small ones, right? But you know, modular ones, but had them built, um, which he used during um, times of, of um, tightness in the system. And then the third thing they did was they put out a rolling series over the course of the heat wave from last month. They put out, I want to say four or five over three weeks, um, uh, grid alerts, right? Where, hey, don't, don't use your appliances, don't charge your EVs, um, don't run your air conditioning above seven, below 78 degrees um, after four o'clock, right? When, the, when all the solar and wind comes off, in, uh, comes off the grid. So um, 
you know, and and the great thing is, and this is something to know, right? Because we're gonna we're gonna look at it at the end of the year. The end of every year, FERC publishes a um, list of all the blackouts in the country. Um, and every year, I I read through it, and every year for the last ten, I would say California leads, and not by a little bit, right? You know, California has 60, 70, 80 hours worth of blackouts. You know, like the next nearest crowd will have like 10, 12 hours worth of blackouts, right? Usually associated with hurricanes or thunderstorms or whatever. So um, we're going to find out, right? And then next time Gavin Newsom runs for office, we're going to publicize it. So anyway, that it, it's keep in mind, California still imports one third of its all its electricity. Not sure how yep. much longer that's going to go on. How much of their oil do they import? Oh, uh, oh have, I know. Over 50%. Well, I was going to say they got the two big refineries in the state, right? No, I'm talking crude. No, no, I know. I know. That's yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. I, I bet the number's bigger than 50% at this point because a lot of their stuff's gotten shut in at this point, I think. Oh, actually... I it might be just from the Middle East that that number is 50%. I'll go back and double back. But so I was doing research for the podcast and, and, and when Gavin stuff came up, I stumbled on this. It's a little bit of a digression, but I wanted to share it with you. I don't know if you're aware. There's a prop, there's a proposition on the ballot in California called prop 30. And it basically is a wealth tax on like Uber Lyft, that kind of stuff. Yeah. To fund electric cars. Okay. So, you add another surcharge on like your, your ride share deals. The money goes towards a slush fund so that they can continue to pay rich people to buy electric cars. Right. Yep. Guess who opposes that proposition? Uh, who Governor does? Gavin Newsom. Does he wonder why should wonder who else opposes that? Yeah, seriously. The teachers union. Of course. <laughs> so, so basically, like the wealth tax, uh, taxi, you know, doing this is, in essence, diverting. The, the teachers' union claims that this will divert resources away from. I was going to uh, say when you when you're giving money out to all your constituents, it yeah. becomes it becomes ugly. So yeah, so he he's all big big talk, yak yak yak. But when you know he, he even opposes this green this green green garbage uh on the proposition when the, the teachers union comes in and comes a comes a call in so i know it's a diversion but i just wanted to bring it up no i don't think it is i'll tell you what i'll give i'll give gavin i'll give governor newsom full credit for for a couple of things right um he did um he pushed back on the uh, on the diablo canyon closure right when when a bunch of when and i'll a bunch of a bunch of pro-nuclear environmentalists went to see him about it and he's like you know he became an advocate for not closing diablo canyon so the other thing is he did put the money into his budget for the emergency generation reserve now it's all natural gas um you know so he's a he's a bit of a liar about the about you know we're all going to go green because we're not but i will say this right he understands that he can't run for president if he has widespread blackouts in california right he, he knows he needs to keep the lights on which if you think about it you know democracy is a great thing because it it um even guys like him have to have to pay attention to the voters every once in a while 
Yeah, well, still, I mean, I, I hope he does run and becomes the front runner because I think it would be a lot of fun to really like create. I said many years, I thought the Romney Obama campaign was going to be a deal where it was going to show, showcase and highlight failed states, you know, versus states that are succeeding. I guess I must have missed it by a couple of cycles, but if we're heading towards a DeSantis Newsom presidential race, you know, it's possible. I'm not saying, you know, you still have the Trump card. Um, it would be an interesting showcase, right? Like, okay, let's let's have it out. I would be very interested um, in the comparison between the two states. I'd be very interested in how that works. All right, this is from Bloomberg, our good friend Ari. And Ari, yep. if you're not a listener, you better be. Biden officials float fuel export limit in meeting with refiners. Yep, Friday, right? Secretary yes. Jenny raises concerns about how low fuel stockpiles in U.S. minimum inventory requirement raised as policy option. Yep. Senior Biden officials pressed executives from the U.S. Ref uh, gasoline producers to, quote, curtail overseas sales during a tense meeting Friday afternoon, suggesting that without voluntary action, the government could force the industry to stockpile more fuel in U.S. tanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was fully aware of that. If you, if you remember, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on a podcast. This is, um, right, she, she sent him a letter a couple of weeks back and said the same thing, like, hey, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to drag you guys in here. We're going to talk about what you're going to do to stockpile fuel right refined or otherwise right the um the interesting thing about it is is of course the her own government the organization she's a part of is busy um coughing up a million barrels a day right um you know in crude out of the spr so you know according to her own her own metric right she's failed but i have said this i, I want to say we first talked about this three months ago um, and I said this and I, 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 here it is, right. I said, if, if, um, prices don't change, we are going to have, um, steady pressure on exports. And here we are. Yes, we are. And, and it's, it's, um, it's a matter of some pretty significant concern, right? I mean, it, and these guys are not talking about now. The thing that worries me about Secretary Granholm is she's not talking about legislation, right? I mean, she's talking about mow-mowing people using the reg regulatory scheme. Yeah, exactly. So, so our our friends at AFPM, these these are go ahead. I was going to just one more point, right? Yeah, yeah, these, sure. These 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 are the guys who are so clueless that they had the president talk about how guys who run gas stations should lower the price of you know gas at what they sell. I'm like. Do they not know that like these guys, you know, for the most part, make like a penny a gallon on this stuff? They don't know anything. Anyway, sorry. I'm just going to round it out and say our friends at, at AFPM and API said the following. The focus of this administration should not be on trapping product in the United States or diverting fuel away from retail sales and into storage, but rather on how to better produce and more affordable affordably move u.s product within the united states so yeah well okay all right um i myself i myself would say 
your emphasis, our emphasis, this government's emphasis should be on how important affordable energy is for everybody and figure out ways to make it affordable, not make it rarer, not make it more rare, not minimize it. It, it you know, it, that's what this thing is. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a way to reduce, it's going to wind up reducing the amount of fuel there is out there. I also think that they should have said, um, you should stop intervening in my market, right? Yeah, seriously. That's a whole can of worms. You want something to work better? Get out of the way. Yep. All right. So um, I just thought this was a little bit funny. I'm going to bring it up. Uh, this was we since we missed uh, two weeks ago. This was from September 19th in, in Fayetteville. Um, let's see. KW, KNWA in Fayetteville, Arkansas. A food company executive was arrested on a pair of charges after reportedly biting a man's nose in a parking yeah. garage in Fayetteville on Saturday night. Doug Ramsey, 53, of Fayetteville, was arrested on 7, September 17th on charges of terroristic threatening and third-degree battery. According to a preliminary report, the incident happened at the parking garage near Razorback Stadium following Arkansas's victory over Missouri State. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Line. Ramsey was named the COO of Beyond Meat in December 2021. It's like, it's just, there's just, I reached out to Beyond Meat for comment on Ramsey's arrest and have not received a response. It's just, there's just some stuff you can't make up, right? <laughs> so, so. <laughs> guy what? from the guy from Beyond Meat bit my nose. What? Yeah, so I think he might be a little bit lacking of meat in his diet. I don't know. Could be wrong, but. It, <laughs> All right, you want to get into this Putin thing or what? I, I just. Never mind. I don't. I, I can't get my hands around it yet. I just. So Putin is like. Has annexed whole sections of Ukraine, right? four territories yeah two of which he controls i guess now two of which are tenuous sure. um he gave a pretty interesting speech where he basically demonized the west for a whole host of reasons and i'm going to be honest with you i don't i don't disagree with a few of them like i actually think he's got a couple of good points makes a couple of good points in in, in particular on energy uh, can I read you, uh, can I roughly paraphrase what he said about energy? Yeah, heck yeah. You cannot feed your people with printed dollars and social media. You need food and energy. But Western elites have no desire to find a solution to the food and energy crisis they created. Yeah, well, I, I, he, he's, he's not wrong about that. So uh, anyway, does that make me a bad person for agreeing with Vladimir Putin on this on, on a matter? You know, I don't know how you can live on the European landmass and not have that thought in your head. Like, what the hell is wrong with you people? Every, literally everyone else in the world, everybody, North Americans, South Americans, Africans, Asians, everybody else on the planet is understands the importance of of plentiful, affordable, reliable energy and its relationship to food prices. Only, only 
the people who run Europe and their, and their junior varsity friends here in the United States are confused about that. And if you're Putin and you're living right next door to these people and you're essentially exploiting, exploiting their, their, um, their stupidity, you know, you must be, you must shake your head every morning, you know, every night when you go to sleep, like, I can't believe these idiots are letting me do this to them. Do you uh, want to chat about Nord Stream 2 at all, or should we? Exactly. What do you want? It up. What do you want? Nord, Nord Stream 1 and 2, let's do the setup here. So uh, two, there, each pipe has two, two lines, right? That flows from Russia to Germany, correct? That's what I'm told. Okay, so they blew up both lines into one line in one. So there's some gas flowing. They is the question. Uh, our, our government says Russia did it to themselves. Um, what, do you, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, my thoughts on this are, um, you know, obviously whoever did it has to have some submarine capabilities. So there are not that many countries on the planet. Um, you know, it, I'm not, I'd be interested to, to find out who benefits from, from the gas not flowing, right? I don't think it's the Russians. It doesn't strike me like it's the Germans. Um, you know, so could I, there be an interested party who, is, who, isn't, who isn't adversely affected by it? Yeah. That may have had a role in it? There could be. I mean, I'm not a conspiracy guy, so I'm willing to let like the investigations go where they go. But I think you'd be um, not particularly careful in your thinking if you didn't at least consider the possibility that um, the United States or Great Britain had something to do with this. Mm -hmm. Is that fair to say? It is, not fair to say? it is absolutely fair to say, and I'm sure we're going to get tagged for that, but hey, we have to say it because this is uh, the unregulated podcast. And I just, you know, look, I've pointed out that, that Lincoln wasn't a star everybody thinks he is. So, you know, what's left for me here? <laughs> All right, so this is a little segment I call Beto versus Beto. I, I really love that uh, Black Lives Matters and uh, other protesters have put this front and center to defund you know, these line items that have over-militarized our, our police and instead invest that money in the human capital of, of your community. Make sure that you have the services, the help, the support, the healthcare necessary to be well and not require police intervention. And then also in, in some necessary cases, completely dismantling those police forces and rebuilding them. And I think the, the city council in Minneapolis made the right decision. You, you, you don't have one bad apple. You don't have four bad apples. You, you have a, a system-wide problem in that police department and only by completely dismantling that system and rebuilding it intentionally with the community members at the table, do you have any hope of, of getting it right? All right, and that was an interview, um, I wanna say maybe a year and a half ago during the height of COVID because it was clearly a Zoom situation. Yeah. Let's go to a question that was posed, posited to Beto in a recent interview with a reporter in Texas. Do you support measures to defund police? You have 60 seconds. Of course I don't. And, and no one does. 
this guy, this guy's <laughs> giving Irishmen like you a bad name. Hey. That's all I got to say, my man. <laughs> Robert Francis O'Rourke. What the hell? What, what has this country become? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's terrible when a guy like that, he's not even a good politician. He's not even a good liar. He's just like, of course well, here's like, nobody can get away with this stuff anymore. There's just too much. Like everything is recorded now. Everything. Like, I don't get how these people think they can say one thing and then say something else and assume it's not going to come back to them. It's like, you know what we got going for us, Miguel? We don't like, we're, we are an open book, right? Like, well, it's like, yeah, I said it. Yep. I'm, you know, I'm not going to take it back. It's ridiculous. I'm not sure we really have that going for us, but I take your point. So anyway, we probably, Beto. You, Robert, you, Robert, you, by his- can't, you can't beat Governor Abbott. You know why? Because you can't like you can't win in Texas. You're a hard core lefty. Like move to Oregon. That race up there is really interesting. Uh, with the third party lady, like you know, Democrat running in the middle of the the two the two parties. But just get out of Texas if you want to try and win some office. Because you know, I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. No, I I, I know what he's going to th- I know what he's going to do next. After he loses, he's going to run for president. Good, good. That that'll be interesting. Again. Oh, again. I mean, this guy, this guy. Look, this guy thinks he's Bobby Kennedy, come back from the dead. So you know that's what's going to happen. He's going to run for president. It's a it's a failing with Irish politicians of all kinds, all stripes and varieties. They all think they're the Kennedys. Uh, we talked earlier about COVID, and um, I know you hate me talking about COVID, but hate it. Talk about COVID just for a second, please. Give me a second. It's unraveling. It's unraveling everywhere. Biden said the pandemic is over. White House immediately, you know, walked that back. Nancy Pelosi extended proxy voting again so that her members could vote for the CR and still fundraise. Um, New York mayor lifted um, the vax, uh, reinstate, you know, basically if you got fired because you didn't have your vaccine, you can come back. And he was asked a very pointed question about the private sector and here was his answer. Maybe Joseph Biden's mayor uh, that you're removing this mandate for private sector employees, but not for public sector employees. Many of them were being fired from their jobs because of this uh, mandate. I don't think anything dealing with COVID is makes sense, and there's no logical pathway of one can do. Um, you make the decisions based on how to keep our city safe. <laughs> well, you know, he just right basically now. said. <laughs> Anything dealing with COVID makes sense. He's, he's not wrong. He's, no, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. He is absolutely not wrong. I'm pretty convinced he's a he's an idiot, but I don't think he's wrong here. Yeah. So it's like, hey, we just do what we need to do. You know, the, you know, we might. Uh, hey Tom. Hey Tom. We got playoffs coming up. Toronto. Blah blah blah. Like I. I mean. Okay. So let me. Let, let me let me throw one more in and then I'll shut up about COVID. You don't even have to comment at all. I just, I just want to get say, it off my chest. Go ahead. 
Premier, is it Premier, Prime Minister? What's what's the dude up in 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 Canada's called Pr- Prime Minister? I think he's called the Prime Minister by the Anglo speak by the English speakers and the Premier by the French speakers. Okay, so Prime Minister slash Premier Trudeau lifted all of the remaining COVID nineteen restrictions, including requirements for wearing masks on aircraft testing and quarantine. Okay. You want to hear what Air Canada said in, in response to that? Yeah. Air Canada welcomes the removal of these restrictions, acknowledging that air travel is safe and that the measures were not justified by science. <laughs> Boom! A little bit of a slap back there. That was kind of nice. I was going to say, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for coming around to where we all were a year ago, loser. Yeah. Now you um, said a while back in the on the unregulated podcast that we're it's gonna be interesting because we're gonna get we're gonna get data, we're gonna get like feedback, we're gonna, we're gonna see, you know, what we did right and what we did wrong, et cetera, et cetera, on all of this. Um, I have a sinus infection. I've tested negative for COVID for the past week. It is significantly worse than the last episode of COVID I got. Significantly worse, as you know firsthand. So I, I just, yeah, I mean, all of the suppression, all of the stuff that these gov- these governments did, it's all going to come out, and you know the media is going to hide, you know, hide and cover it up, and we're not going to talk about it here because I know you hate the subject. But guys like Phil Kirpin and others, go, 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 because people need to understand that their governments did not do them a favor in this process. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I, 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 you know, the great thing about it is everything will come out in the wash. Um, You know, the educational stuff's already starting to come out. Um, The only the only thing that I'm interested in is where we're going to be. You know, when we see all deaths in four or five years, right? Now, eh, th- two or three years, when we see what all deaths over a five-year span look like. My guess is it's going to be indistinguishable. In other words, all, all the um, all COVID did was move older people's deaths forward by a couple of years. Yeah. I, I don't mean to minimize that, but but that's you know we 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 endured a lot of societal wreckage for that. Yes, so. sir. All right, um, I've got one left. I got a closing clip. And so I turn it over to you, sir, if you have anything on your mind. I know there's so much more on my list, but you know, you can only do so much. Um, and we'll we'll try not to skip too many weeks. But yeah, you're right. We did deserve a, a little bit of a break. So yeah. Um, yeah, I, a couple things. Um uh one is I I want everybody to watch for how American politicians start talking about Europe and their energy and what's going to be a food problem here shortly. In case you've not been paying attention, uh, at least half, by now more than half, of smelters, mills, fertilizer producers, fertilizer factories, chemical factories in Europe have now closed because of high energy prices or because they can't get natural gas at any price. Um, and that, um, Right, that's going to destroy the economy of Europe, and more importantly, it's going to start rippling through the economy of the United States, because as we all know, um, Germany is an important um, part of the supply chain of chemicals in this on this planet, and 
Europe is an important fertilizer producer on this planet. So we're going to have lots more um, starvation than we did last year. So it'll be interesting to see how American politicians talk about Europe. Is that a canary in a coal mine? Or is that like, hey, that's the Europeans, that's not us. We'll see how it goes in the next 12 months. But my suspicion is it's going to be hard for everybody to just pretend that um, that this transition, put that in quotes, that this transition is not responsible for this. Um, so that's one. The, that's the important one. The other thing is that um, um, is that I had a sit down with uh, Congressman Stauber uh, Thursday, I think, Wednesday, Thursday, and um, and uh, it went great. And I'm going to write a column off it. And I, I you know, I'm going to I'm going to wreck my lead here. That guy's a star. Um, he's 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 right on. He's right on energy. He's right on mining. He's right on union stuff. He's going to be a he's going to be a superior subcommittee chairman of the subcommittee on energy and minerals at uh, the House Resources Committee. That's it for me. Well, I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to reading that. And um, I'm also looking forward to making some news when the Congress takes over the uh, the House of Representatives in terms of how they reorganize next year but we'll hold that for a future episode <laughs> of the unregulated podcast ladies and gentlemen <laughs> let's hold it let's hold off now mike for it no i agree totally let's give it another right. week all right here's my closing clip i can't help myself i just i just can't help myself every time i stumble across a clip it's gotta go in here it is so we invested an additional $12 billion into community banks because we know community banks are in the community and understand the needs and desires of that community as well as the talent and capacity of community. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I there's got a, there's a good reason to invest $12 billion in community banks. And and that's it. We don't quite know the reason, but good enough for us. Because there are communities and banks and banking communities. Peace out, ladies and gentlemen. 102 in the books. Go judge. Get it over with. Let's move on. Namaste. Hey.